I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Derek Dombeck. Derek uh, has surfed the ups and downs of the market since 2003 um, in, within real estate. Um, looks like from the bio, Derek, you have a, a ton of different uh, experience to share with us today. Um, I think I will be doing it a disservice to try and sort of read this list. So first, let me just say thank you for coming on the show this morning. I, I do appreciate you taking the time. Well, thanks for having me. And, and uh, this is going to be fun. I, I really enjoy just having these conversations. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's let's start. Just give us your background. Tell us a bit about yourself and your story, and then uh, we'll kind of dive in from there. So my story started um, primarily in 2003 in real estate, but I had came out of high school, you know, with a PhD, a public high school diploma, and a good work ethic, and bought my first property before I ever knew I was going to be an investor just was a, a fixer upper um, in my local area that had some acreage with it. And kind of my first taste was I, I realized how I could build equity just with my own ha two hands and, and my own labor, um, which is not a great way to scale a business, but at 21 years old to have a house and 20 acres of land and, and things was, was really my start. It wasn't for another four or five years uh, after that before I really got the investor um, itch. And uh, my wife at that time, uh, her and I had, had like many, seen this infomercial on TV and, and went to uh, um, a seminar. And that's that was the start of our education. We started fixing up rentals. And, and at the same time, we were buying property, um, lots of land, and, and started to build uh, houses in the state of Florida. Well, I should probably say I live in Wisconsin. So um, for us to buy fixer up rentals in Wisconsin and start building uh, spec homes in Florida, all within the first six months of, of uh, getting into real estate was a little fast, but it, it was also that's my nature. I just kind of dive in head first. So we built up a pretty big portfolio in the first few years. And uh, then we hit the market crash of 2007, and that's when the real education started. Um, you know, we came from a place we had good employment, good credit, we could get bank financing. All these deals that we did um, accumulated to about 19 properties and you know four million dollars in real estate, all bank funded and. We then realized that we had no control over our business because the banks were going under and so were we, and there was nothing we could do to stop it. So there was about a three year period of time of, you know, just clean up an aisle seven, try and do whatever we had to do, rob from Peter to pay Paul, start flipping houses just to make quick cash to cover bad debt. And uh, all while looking at what did I do wrong? and the this was a blessing in disguise jason it, it didn't feel like a blessing 
in the late 2000s. Um, it was very painful, but looking back now, I, I'm glad it happened. We we learned how to, number one, talk to people. I think that's people. every beginner's biggest mistake or two biggest mistakes is not starting a network and not learning how to talk to people and properly negotiate without manipulating. And um, moving forward, that's really what I focused on. Uh, I started taking on, by necessity, I started taking on partners, um, doing joint ventures, also really focusing on putting together alternative or creative deal structures that didn't require a lot of cash or my credit, primarily my credit. And that led me to uh, meeting my current business partner about 10 years ago. And uh, Jeff was hosting his own real estate investor association group. And we became good friends very quickly. And, and soon thereafter, we decided to start a business together. And Jeff had never used a bank for any real estate transaction, which was intriguing to me. And he was you know, very good at, at raising private capital. Once we started our, our business together, we were raising private capital together and doing, you know, flipping. Uh, we were doing some coaching and mentoring with some other students. We, we got to a point where we had more private capital than we had deals. So bringing on students allowed us to fund their deals, keep our investors money working so they wouldn't go elsewhere. And it, it was, it was good. Um, we had a good success rate with our students, but I didn't really enjoy it. I mean, it, I didn't enjoy the phone calls every night, every weekend, you know, and, and typically were the same types of questions, um, that beginners often have, which is great. Everybody has to start somewhere, but before the show, you and I mentioned a little bit about mindset and, and it, it just wasn't in our vision for what we wanted our day-to-day -day life to look like. Mm -hmm. So moving on, um, we, we got done with, with that batch of students and really decided we weren't going to coach and mentor very much. I mean, we, we'll do, you know, maybe one person or two people at a time. But the, the bug that hit us was the lending bug. Uh, we, we didn't have a lot of competition in our region. There certainly is national, you know, hard money lenders and short-term lenders out there, but the way we designed our lending company, because we're a hundred percent privately funded and there's no institution that has their thumb on us or, or can skew our decision-making it. And because we're still actively buying and selling and flipping and holding rentals, we we can, I guess we built a lending company the way we would want it as borrowers. And our clients really are our partners. And that's the way we feel about them. We're not just giving them a loan and, and waiting for them to fail and take their property away from them. So kind of went from a, a high school, you know, construction worker type of person to now, you know, putting out millions of dollars a month in loans and, and at this point, uh, trying to educate and do things like this, get on podcasts, walk people through challenges that I went through, and hopefully they can avoid some of those pitfalls and mistakes.
Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like a very, uh, a lot of, you know, sort of experience wealth to, to draw from there, just in the sense, you know, I think it's, I'm, I'm always very fascinated when I get to talk to people that went through, you know, the financial, the great recession in, in, and we're in real estate at the time, right? A lot, lots of us were living in that time, but it was uh, to actually be in real estate and sort of navigate that. Um, I think is is a, a relatively unique perspective. There's a lot of people that have made a lot of money in real estate over the last four or five years, but here we are. You know, you've you've been doing it longer than that, and and been through uh, a recession, and and now we're sort of in this time of market uncertainty. So I think that unique perspective is is um, something that people will will, will want to hear. You know, sort of right now in this position that we're in. Um, and so, you know, Derek, you, you you've done kind of all the different, maybe not every aspect of real estate, but you've done a lot of different um, components here. And you mentioned, you know, as far as the mentorship program, something like that, it just didn't, it just didn't fit with what you saw the vision of your lifestyle to be. And I, the, the reason I sort of point to that is I think that's a, an important thing for people to understand, you know, sort of going forward in their, their career, whether, and, you know, specifically talking about real estate here, but, but you, you tried some things and you've, you've sort of recognized what, <laughs> what works for you uh, and, and, and maybe the large mentorship group isn't something that works for what you want in your life. And, but, but then you found that um, lending, you know, private lending is something that sort of, you know, fits. So how did you, I, I find that it's sometimes hard for people to realize or figure out what fits in their life. What, you know, how, how did you kind of come to those decisions? So, we started, um, I don't like the, the coaching and mentoring we were doing before, but we started a mastermind group, which really the original one was a, a whole bunch of, of friends from around the country. We would see each other at seminars and at other people's events. And we said, you know, why don't we just rent a house every six months? We'll get together. We'll stay in the same house together. And we'll help each other with our businesses where nobody's in a competitive or a competing market with each other. We have no reason to hold back. And we did that. I think the first one was about five years ago. And different than coaching and mentoring brand new people that, that, you know, didn't know how to fill out a contract, didn't know how to market. Or now I was, I was sitting in with people, you know, myself and my wife, my business partner, and his wife, we are the facilitators. We put it all together, but we're not really mentoring everybody. It's peer to peer. And to have people that number one are experienced, number two are, are, you know, good friends and becoming better friends and then are willing to be vulnerable with each other. That really hit my hot buttons. You know, it was, it's intellectually, it's, it's stimulating and it's a lot of fun. We we end up going to really cool places together. Um, that original group is still together. We're actually going to uh, St. Martin a couple days after Thanksgiving for a week to hang out in this beautiful beach house and, and do this, you know. Well, that ended up turning into um, a few more groups. 
And so currently I have three of those groups and same thing. Each group meets twice a year in different location. We stay in a house together. It just creates this, this bond. And, and through all of that, I discovered the vision process and the vision process is really, I would say what, what changed our business and our lives to the degree of many people have a business plan. Many people have a vision board or they have goals written down, um, which is all great. The way that I was taught the vision process was really to write a, a story in story form or in bullet points, whatever's natural for you, how you want your day-to-day -day life to look, your personal life um, to look as if it's already happened and filter out or, or don't filter it using lack of time, lack of money, right? Basically just dream mm -hmm. and don't worry about how it's going to actually happen yet. <clears throat> and after that, once you have that in writing, you look at how much time you have left. Okay. In my personal vision, I have about 15 to 20 hours a week available for work. And most people build this huge business or have a goal to build this huge business to make a whole lot of money. So eventually they can enjoy the fruits of their labor where we really wanted to build our personal life first and then get our business designed to fit in the time that was left. And the lending business is what hit that because I can do what I need to do for our lending business from anywhere in the world with my phone and my laptop in a matter of a few hours, maybe two hours a day, three hours a day. But most of what I need to do, I can do off hours when my wife and kids are sleeping or, you know, like we had put a, a goal in our vision to take a five week, well, originally it started as a month long RV trip in the summer. And the first time we did it was summer of 2021. It was extremely nerve wracking the first two weeks because I felt guilty for not working that much. By the third week, I was starting to chill out. By the fourth week, I was in heaven. And I, I would challenge anybody to take a month off from what you do and tell me that it doesn't change your perspective, right? But it was in our vision. And it was something that I looked at every day. Um, we, we read our vision. We put it in front of us. It could be a screensaver on your computer. It could be, you know, on your mirror in your bathroom wherever somewhere that you're consistently seeing it and designing your business to to serve your personal vision not vice versa i know a lot of people in this industry that have come and gone since 2003 i know a lot of of gurus that have come and gone and i've sat with a few of them asking them what would you have done different most of them built this big conglomeration had this huge, massive overhead cost every month. And when the music stopped, whether it was a recession or COVID or a hundred other things that can happen in life, death, divorce, illness, right? Um, when the music stopped and there wasn't enough chairs, they went broke. And all of them regret not having more time with their families, with their kids, vacations, whatever it is. And, and for me, that's what it is. I don't care about how much money I make. I care about, am I living my vision and am I hitting the time 
that I want with my family and my kids and, and my friends. I love that. I love the, I love the idea of, you know, sort of working through that vision and realizing this is how much time I have to work because that's the exact opposite of what probably 99% of people do. Right. It's like, absolutely. They say, I have to, I have to do all of this work. I have my list of things I have to get done. And then after that, I get to actually enjoy things. Or it's like, like you said, we spend our whole lives until we finally reach whatever that magical point is, if we ever reach it, where we then get to enjoy the fruits of that labor. So um, I think, you know, sort of <laughs> reverse engineering that into, you know, what do I, what do I, if I create days that I'm going to be, you know, happy and fulfilled and spend time with my family, what does that leave after that? And how do I, you know, how do I find the best uh, use of that time to work? Is it, the other thing is, I think most jobs, most of the work that people do is is inefficient, and you could do what you do. Your forty hour work week could be a twenty hour work week, realistically, if it was structured appropriately. So I think there's there's a lot of things in that that um, you know certainly can be applicable to to most people, but you do have to go through that exercise of of creating that you know that vision. Well, most most of us, Jason, and I'm guilty of this for years. <clears throat> most of us are deal junkies. We're power, you know, we're, we're definitely wanting to be in control at all times. Um, some of us are workaholics. It's hard to, to not just jump in there and do it. Yeah. <clears throat> Learning how to outsource and, and let somebody else do the job, even if they only do it 80% as good as you do, and, and getting it in your head, it's good enough. And, and I struggled with that for so long. The other point I'll make is a lot of us, and, and I'll get a little bit stereotypical, I would blame this more on men than women, you know, we'll, we'll tell ourselves we're doing something for our family. I, I'm working this hard. I'm doing one more deal. I'm, I'm at the flip house nights and weekends for my family so that they can have the nicer things in life. And the reality is we're not doing things for our family. We're doing things to our family. <laughs> and when I got that earth shattering smack across the face with my wife sitting next to me at a mastermind, bawling her eyes out <laughs> saying, we don't want all this other stuff. We just want you home and present when you're home. Right. My, what I was guilty of was answering the phone 24 seven because I was afraid of missing a deal. <laughs> and you know, telling my children seven o'clock at night when it's family time to be quiet because dad's on the phone. That's not fair to my kids. It's not fair to my my wife. And um, one of the biggest things, and you would think this is common sense, but I would bet 99% of your listeners have the same challenge. Um, you know, my wife and the rest of that mastermind group that I was sitting there, they challenged me and they said, you set office hours, whatever it is, nine to five, and no weekends and you live by them and you turn your phone off or put it on silent or put it on do not disturb outside of those hours and your business will not go down and that was a fact our business actually increased because we were not accessible seven days a week 24 hours a day people will alter their schedule 
to meet your schedule if they really want to do business with you. And my personal life got far better. My just everything got better, but it's an, it's all mindset really is. Yeah. A hundred percent agree. And it, it is, it is a struggle and it, it's, it's very easy to get, it's very easy to get caught up. And I want, I want this, you know, whatever, whatever you think success is, I want this thing. And you put, you put a, a face to it, which, you know, is my family or whatever it is, right. You put something and, and, and we, we talk about the name of the show is know your why. So we, we talk about this stuff a lot, but, but the, you have to realize that, like, as you said, like your family, you say you're doing it for your family, but your family maybe doesn't want you to do it. You know what I mean? Like they just want, my kids don't, my kids don't care how much real estate we own. They don't, mm-hmm. they just want dad to be around. They want to read a book. They want to do a puzzle. They want to play, you know, they, they don't care about that stuff. And so, and it, and it's, it's, it's what I, what I recently realized going through a, a bit of a, a hardship in the real estate business is I struggled with that, that I had failed my family and I was reminded by a coach of mine, they're still there, right? Like they, they don't, again, they don't care they're not, they're not worried about it. So it's kind of getting that perspective and it, it, it does sometimes have to get, you get punched in the face by it to, to wake up and realize that that's, that's the actual reality. And then, and then, yeah, going, going forward and making steps to adjust how you approach all of that. And, and it, and at least for me, it is a, a constant struggle to make sure that I, if I say, you know, things like you said, like you got to turn your phone off, you got to be present, you got to do, I agree. I believe all that, but it's, it's very easy to get swept up in this thing needs to happen right now, mm-hmm. but, but it doesn't, right. It's going to, it doesn't happen right now. It's going to, it's going to happen the next time you're available. So it, it's really, really great points. And, and you had mentioned, you know, the turmoil right now, things are changing in the market. I mean, it, there are going to be stressful times for a lot of people and there's going to be very exciting times for some of us. And, you know, living through the the great recession and, and seeing that I, I am sitting here like a kid at Christmas. Like to me, I have been looking forward to this change in the market for the last few years, just, you know, piling up my pennies waiting for it um but a lot of people are you know gonna get destroyed um you know people at wholesalers that have been making 30 40 50 thousand dollar wholesale fees the last two three years you know that's going bye-bye um and a lot of these wholesalers have built up huge overheads monthly expenses that they're not going to be able to cover um you know the list is going to go on and on realtors that popped up i don't know if you knew this but like about a year ago, we had more licensed real estate agents in the country than we had homes on the market listed. First time in history. Um, a lot of those are going to fall by the wayside. I mean, this yeah. these shifts in, in the market happen for a reason. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it's it's true. It's you know, it, it in the uh, you know, I do multifamily syndication, and it's like you know, you have all these all these brokers that uh, people can't can't get on the phone, can't, you know, can't get a, a an introduction to them. Um, I talk to, you know, talk to people that are trying to get started and they're like, well, you know, the, a, a year ago, the brokers won't return my calls. And I, I experienced the same thing. It took a long time, a lot of persistence to get, and now it's like, 
they're calling all the time you know mm-hmm. are you still doing deals are you you know so you're right it, it's it's going to cause a lot of pain for for a lot of people but also uh unfortunately for those people that that also is going to create some opportunity for others and um being able to be uh, successful in kind of whatever the market cycle i think in a lot of ways takes having lived through a a downturn right having gone through a downturn in that business it's if you don't if you haven't already experienced it then how do you know what to do right now you're going to have to figure it out as you go or talk to people like yourself that have have done it well and and that was my i said it was a blessing in disguise that was the one of the biggest lessons i learned was not having that network of people from 2003 through 2012 for the most part my wife and i were on our own we were closet investors we kept to ourselves we didn't we didn't shout from the rooftop what we did right mm-hmm. after that as we started building a network when covid hit for example many people panicked we were talking daily zoom calls phone calls emails with our our network around the country in our masterminds just friends in general and all of us collaborating together and talking about okay there's there's some ppp money available there's some other grant money available there's this going on in you know idaho there's this going on in georgia and everybody comparing notes most of my network 2020 was the best year they've ever had in business mm-hmm. our, ourselves included um because we had each other to lean on and if you're entering this market and you're starting to panic and you don't know what to do you need to find somebody that has been through it that you trust that you can lean on that's not going to lie to you right and that's challenging because if you only have a network at let's say your local real estate investor association in your hometown well people may not be open to share all their trade secrets because you are in a competitive market. Um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, but the other side of that though is you got to be careful who you take advice from. Jumping on forums like Bigger Pockets and getting legal advice is not ideal. <laughs> you know, there's, it's it's still, I guess, take in all the information you can, vet it, and then come to your own conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to have the wherewithal to to place it within whatever business model you're operating under and, and kind of how to, how to use all those different people. Cause I mean, the, the reality is there's a lot of conflicting advice as well. It's like, you know, pe- some people are don't buy anything now. Some people are like, yeah, this is the time. So you know, it's, and so it's, you have to figure out what works for you and you have to be, you have to be smart about it. You have to make, you know, wise decisions that, and not just decisions in the moment. And I think that, I I guess I believe this in life in general, but panic doesn't help anyone. Like panicking about it, acting reactively to something not going well will make you make bad decisions. And I I believe that 100%. And I, I think, especially when things are difficult is when you have to remain calm and really think about it. And as you said, talk, talk to your network, speak, speak with people who have been in this particular situation at the time and look for solutions, not just a way out. Cause it, you'll, you'll, you'll burn yourself pretty badly with, with panic, I believe. For um, sure. And, and the other thing, Jason, is we live in a, a quitter society nowadays. It's very easy to quit. Yeah. And, and, 
if I would have quit in 2007, I had a good job. I could just, I could have just, you know, stayed with that good job for the rest of my life and been okay. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now today to help people if I would have quit back then. Right. And it, and it goes back to just what you said about, you know, kind of what's the vision you've, you've described for your life, what you, what you've designed, because it, it's, it's, yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with having a job. It's just, if that's not what you picture for yourself, then it's never going to feel right. It's never going to feel the, you know, the way it should be. So um, I think, yeah, you, you just have to, you know, really get in touch with what your what you think things should look like for you and then find the path, the path to that. Um, I, I want to give you the chance to, to kind of talk about what, what you do with, with best REI funding and, you know, kind of what that, what that business is just so um, people know, and, and, you know, uh, maybe we can generate you some business. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, as I mentioned previously, best REI funding kind of started as a side gig and you know just doing some lending to our students and then it grew from there what we've never deviated from at this point is we do we don't have institutional money um so we still raise money uh, we'll always raise money that never ends and when there's a shift in the market because we're dealing with real people we can have those conversations with our investors we've got a plan a plan b plan c um for example if our default rate all of a sudden increases and we have to start taking property back and it's not a decent time to sell it. We could just lease it out, cash flow it and ride out the market for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. And, and our investors understand that from day one, we have those conversations. So ultimately it's an arbitrage business. We, we pay our investors 9% in our fund. We lend it out at 12%. Um, 13 and a half percent in some cases, depending on the region. And we, we really stay local. Um, we lend in Wisconsin only as far as best REI funding. Uh, we have investors from all over the country, so that's not an issue, but we do have, uh, relationships with other lenders. We, we are able to get people loans in other States as well, but our fund, our actual money we raise all stays within our state boundaries. Uh, two reasons for that. Number one, it's local to us. It's, you know, we have boots on the ground here. I can be anywhere in the state within two and a half hours. And um, if we do have to take a property back, we're able to take it out of the lending bucket and put it into our rehab business, finish it up, get rid of it, liquidate it. Um, it works really well. That said, we've only had to take back less than a dozen properties in the last 10 years. I mean, we have an extremely low default rate because again, we feel like our borrowers are really our partners. We're, we're there for them when they have a challenge. And that challenge could be as little as, hey, we can't find a contractor. Great, we'll jump on the phone and try and find them a contractor. Or they could get a lot more serious. You know, they could be financially going through some hard times or divorce or something like that. We really want them to feel like they can call us and reach out to us and not hide from us. Um, and it's it's served us very well. So at this point, I mean, it, an average month for us in the past you know year or so has been about twenty loans a month going out the door, and uh, you know really turn into uh, 
again, something uh, I never expected when I was in my early 20s fixing up that first shack that I bought on on 20 acres, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and that's, I, I think that's, you know, the the gist of what I was getting at. That question is, is you know, is it what markets? And so it's all within Wisconsin. Do you, do you lend on um, residential, commercial, both? What, what's your, uh, you know, kind of our bread and butter is single families and small multis. Um, there's been a couple of small commercial projects that we've done over the years, but, but that is our niche. And until we take over more of our market share, we don't have a reason to change that or expand Mm -hmm. that. Um, you know, same reason we don't go outside of the boundaries of Wisconsin at this point until we feel like we've capped out our market share. Um, there's no reason to. Right. Right. Well, and it, yeah, that goes right back to what we talked about with, you know, sort of that, the, that vision of what you want your life to, if, if you were trying to expand that to a national uh, lending service and, you know, being all the, well, it's probably going to take more time, you know, you're going to, you, there is going to be uh, yep. <laughs> a strain on, on that other bucket of life that, that you've focused on. So it, it's a, it's a really good, you know, kind of example of it, it doesn't have to be let, Jason, let, let, let me say something here. I don't want to interrupt you, but you made mm-hmm. such a good point. I don't want to be lost. If you have your personal vision down, when you get that shiny object that's presented to you and you weigh that against your vision, does this get me closer to my vision or further away from my vision? It makes it a lot easier to say no, because we've had those opportunities, well, air quotes, opportunities to expand nationally. And that's exactly what we did. We looked at it and said, does this take us further away or get us closer to our vision for our lives? And it takes us further away. We have to have more staff, more overhead, more stress, more time, more more time at the office. So I just wanted to reiterate that point because it's very, very, very important to be able to weigh against those shiny objects. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, what? the the allure of being a billionaire right well well, guess what like with being a billionaire you have far bigger problems than most of us could ever imagine and so it's just you gotta you gotta figure out where you want to where you want to sit in life and what's important to you and and if being a billionaire is is what's important to you then okay do that but recognize what that's probably going to mean um you know, going to mean sacrifice in other areas of your life. So it is just, just figuring out, you know, and being really in touch with what that, that vision is. I think it, it's super important. Um, well, Derek, let me uh, kind of switch gears. I want to, I want to get to ask you the questions that I ask every guest. Uh, first one being, being, um, you know, based on the name of the show being know your why. And I know we've touched on it some, but um I just, if you would expand, you know, kind of what is your why? What, what is, you know, sort of driving you forward? Um, and I, I know obviously it's going to pertain to sticking with that vision, but, but kind of, I, I think there has to be a, a why behind the vision. Um, the why for myself and my wife, what I, I, I talk about it publicly, but not often on these types of podcasts. Uh, also during that 2007 through 2010 timeframe, my wife and I, knew that we had challenges having kids so our firstborn child was um, we we got through in vitro after that we turned to adoption and um, at that same time frame you know I I didn't have any money so 
my actual first use of private money was to pay for the adoption of my son from China. And it was something that kind of shaped us moving forward to where we really want to, we want to help other families that have infertility challenges. That's, that's a big why for us, my wife mm -hmm. and I. Um, and we really want people to learn how to do real estate without using banks, without being institutionally trapped. Nothing against banks. They have their purpose, but um, you don't need them. And the real why is, is the legacy. I, I really, I'm not going to push my three children into real estate, but I want them to know that there's a, a better way, a different way than what they're being taught at school. And um, it's part of a, a, we actually host a conference that's called the Generations of Wealth. And it's got that name for two reasons. The first reason is we took over somebody else's conference that we had gone to for seven of its eight years. And so it was kind of a, a passing of the baton from their generation down to our generation. And the other reason is at my conference, we encourage people to bring their kids and, and we don't charge anything extra for their kids. And they can sit in on as much or as little as they want during the conference. And it's not for the kids to learn real estate strategies. It's for them to meet each other and start to build a network in their teenage years of kids from all around the country who have parents that are freaks like us. And it's, it's really cool to see um, my, my own kids, what it's done for them, the relationships they have. And it doesn't matter if any of these kids ever go into business. They just know that there is another possibility for them. They may all get jobs and work through their 20s and 30s and jobs. And then maybe they get in their late 30s, early 40s and realize, hey, maybe mom and dad weren't so dumb, you know, maybe. <laughs> Maybe what they were telling me and, and the whole time was was true and, and I can do this. You know, who knows? But that that's our, our real why at this point. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I think the and that's a that's a great point that, you know, just putting those options and and opportunities in front of them because it's it's so many of us didn't learn. I mean, I didn't. I didn't know about most of the stuff I talk about on this podcast like five years ago. It's it's not, this is, it's not something that's taught to us in school. It's not something that um, if, you, if you don't know someone who's doing it, whether it's a parent or a friend or just any, it's not common knowledge and it, and it should be. It should be more common knowledge that the opportunities that are available to people, whether you're working within real estate or you're someone who is, you know, looking to invest passively or just just ways to make you know kind of our our money work and and a, a big part i think about achieving that vision that we we've been talking about of our lives is is figuring out a way to have some level of passive income because the reality is that things cost money and so you've got to have a way to make some of that money uh and so it it's it's just figuring out how that fits into that into that vision of your life so really really cool i so the next question is uh typically you know tell us something about yourself that uh maybe people don't know about you a, a, a hobby a special skill anything which 
which please feel free to share that as well. But I, I do also want to give you the opportunity to to talk about, you know, kind of some of the things we talked about before recording that are that are upcoming. Yeah. Well, hobbies and special skills. Uh, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Always have been. Uh, grew up racing cars, skydiving, doing all that kind of stuff. But currently, um, we own bucking bulls, um, yeah. which started in a hot tub in Las Vegas five years ago, drinking <laughs> some adult beverages. And uh, so we we go around the country. Um, we we don't train our own animals. They they all live in Oklahoma. But we go to bull rides and rodeos and and compete with our bulls. And uh, I've not ridden any bulls. My wife has demanded that I do not try it. Although <laughs> one of these days I may do it anyways. Um, but I'm not getting any younger. So it's it's just one of these crazy hobbies that we got you know, fell in love with, and we've made lifelong friends with people that we would have never met otherwise. And it's really fun. <laughs> That's very cool. Also a first, first, uh, a first for to answer that question, we're probably, I don't know, 160, 170 recordings in this. That's a definitely a first uh, in terms of answering that question. Well, here, I'll add to it, Jason, just because I wanted to say I did it. Um, you know, I have a self-directed, uh, self-directed 401k, mm -hmm. a solo 401k, and I invested in and bought a bucking bull in my 401k just to say I did it. <laughs> my friends told me that I wouldn't. So yeah. <laughs> it, it's an investment. That bull, that bull is, uh, is part of the retirement plan. It, it'll be there when you're 65 is, is probably not likely, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's super cool. Um, do do go ahead and, and talk about, um, you know, the, the, you've got books coming. Uh, oh yeah. We, we want to, uh, I, I just want you to get to talk about them so people know. For sure. So I'm, I'm currently authoring a book. It, it's not titled yet. We are at the point where it's, it's getting drafted, um, should be published in January, but it is about how anybody can be a private lender. It's really an A to Z written in layman's terms. What is the, the private lending um, avenue look like? And everything from finding a client to application process, underwriting, closing the loan, servicing the loan, what happens if it defaults, what happens with payoff, all that stuff. So uh, I want to give that to your listeners for free, um, the electronic version. And the other book I'm co-authoring with a whole bunch of other awesome authors is being published by a guy named Kyle Wilson. Uh, you know who Jim Rohn was? Yes. Okay, Kyle Wilson is Jim Rohn's business partner. He was the man behind uh, Jim Rohn. Mm -hmm. And uh, I met Kyle. He asked me to be a part of his next, next book project, which I said, absolutely. That book is coming out in January as well. So anybody that would like the electronic version of those two books for free, um, all you have to do is shoot me an email. Tell me, I, I heard you on Jason's show. And when the books come out and I got the e-version ready to go, I'll, we'll, I'll have my assistant blast it out to you guys and just my little give back, you know? That's awesome. That's very generous of you. And, um, I, I really do appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll be sure to really, the next question is how do you want people to, to, to reach out to you when they hear this? So we'll make sure we put whatever you want in our, in our show notes. Yeah, just uh, email to my personal email, uh, Derek, which is D-E-R-E-K 
at bestreifunding.com, which of course is our lending company. And um, I monitor that email. I'll, I'll see it. My assistant also monitors it. So we check our spam fo uh, folders every day. And if, uh, if you want it, it'll come to you. The other thing I, I wouldn't mind mentioning, Jason, is, is the Generations of Wealth Conference. Again, for yourself, your listeners, anyone that thinks that might be a fit, this is more advanced strategies. Um, I bring in about 10 speakers, five-day conference. It's in Cancun, Mexico in February of 23. And we it's set up where my speakers are, are on stage from nine until one each day. From one o'clock through dinner is open networking, hanging out by the pool, having some adult beverages, swimming with the dolphins, whatever you want to do to get to know each other, hang out with your family. And then in the evenings, we have these town hall sessions, which are a little bit more interactive. All of it is as much or as little as you want. Um, it's very heavily geared towards networking. This is not a big event. Uh, this is not a sales pitch, Jason. I literally can't guarantee after my room block is filled that I could get more rooms. So we're expecting 125 to 150 people. And uh, it's a, it's a, the right size where everybody gets time to get to know each other. The speakers are, are there. You get to spend time with them, pick their brains. And uh, the, the, that's out there right now. Uh, Generations of Wealth is gowvoyage.com. We'll put that in the show notes it. as well. What uh, I want to ask you, because I do have kids, what uh, is there an age? You know, you said the, the kids are welcome to come into the these events. Is there an age that either you say they have to, you know, do they have to be older than a certain age, or what's your kind of take on the, that? The reality is, if they're ten and older, they they can sit there and pay attention. Um, if they're under ten then you know they can go hang out by the swimming pool and uh so all ages are welcome um this last february we had about 18 kids total and about a dozen of them came and and hung out during the sessions some of them i mean about half a dozen i think were in every session wow. which i mean we're talking about in-depth stuff that there's no <laughs> way most of these kids would would even have a clue and I will tell you that my daughter, um, she's 16 now. She was 15 at the time. She asked me a week before the conference if she could do a presentation. She had built the entire PowerPoint on her on her school tablet. And, uh, you know, proud dad moment for sure. Yeah. But she did a presentation entitled How to Get Your Kids Involved in Your Business. It was a 20-minute presentation. And just awesome got a standing ovation right it was it was just her telling stories about how we let her interact in our lives and our business but it was so powerful for the kids and the parents to hear that yeah that's amazing that's amazing yeah for sure a <laughs> proud dad moment I'm, I'm sure of that that would <laughs> gonna be get to announce her to come up on stage that's uh that's pretty pretty cool um final question for you Derek and then I'll let you go but um What's a piece of advice you would give to someone who is starting out in real estate, um, you know, kind of trying to trying to get their their feet wet and get going? Stay away from banks. Um, <laughs> I'll I'll expand on it. 
banks are fine, but to me, they should be your second or third choice, not your first choice. <clears throat> Go out and educate yourself on an alternative, <clears throat> excuse me, alternative methods. Um, learn how to buy property through seller financing, subject to purchases, options, leases, contract for deed. You know, there, all of these alternatives used properly are safe. They're better for you in a lot of cases. In most cases, they're better for the seller, as long as you know what the seller's needs are. And, um, you know, use banks last. Okay, that's great. I think, yeah, the, one of my, and I, I certainly don't, uh, still learning this, but one of the biggest, as I mentioned, you know, five years ago, I didn't know anything about this, but but one of the, one of the biggest parts of education in all of this in, in real estate is that that lending piece and, and realizing that, you know, most of the time when people buy a house, there's a, there's a standard way, right? You go to the, you go to your bank that you already bank with, or you go to a mortgage broker or something like that. And you kind of just buy your house based on what they tell you to do, but, but realizing all the different options, all the different ways that debt can be structured outside of the banks is, is, is kind of an amazing uh, process and, and sort of it's a steep learning curve, but it's it's a very interesting learning curve to see what what's available to you. There's more opportunity out there than than most people think. Um, and and the way you just put it, it's a steep learning curve. It can be. Again, I would I would encourage you to go and find somebody that's done what you've done or what you want to do. If if you want to learn how to use options, and and I don't necessarily mean a guru that you pay twenty thousand dollars to for their course. I mean, try and find somebody that's actually doing them in your area, or they don't even have to be in your area. If they're willing to give you some time and share, maybe you got to cut them in on the deal. That's fine, mm -hmm. right? But that's that's honestly how I learned. I I went to the seminars. I learned the 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 book version of it. But until I was in a deal, it didn't necessarily sink in for me. Once mm -hmm. I've done it one time and I did the deal moving forward it's, it's ingrained but everybody learns a little different yeah no I, I think certainly uh putting it into practice is is really what's going to solidify that piece of information mm -hmm. so um yeah great advice and and um I mean overall just fantastic hearing your story and the uh kind of the the mindset behind you know sort of be, building that vision and being able to stick to it so uh, I just want to say thank you for for your time today, Derek. Thank you for coming on the show. I, I do very much appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Thank you for having me. This is yeah. great. I really enjoy it. Absolutely. Um, and for the listeners, as as Derek mentioned, we're, we're going to have uh, the the link for that um, electronic copy of the books, which is fantastic. Um, but please like, rate, and review the show so we can get this out to more people. All right. Have a great day. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.